0: Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. Hebrews chapter 12 has had my attention for about two months now. I've just been, all my devotions have been in this particular chapter. And uh, we just finished a series from this chapter called The Shake. Did you guys enjoy that series? We finished it last. Things Removed, Things That Remain, Things That We Receive. But I wanna go back to the beginning of this chapter, verse one. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Notice he doesn't say and sins. He says the sin because all of us have that propensity. And the sin, whatever sin that is, which does so easily beset us And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to read verse 1 from the message Bible. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we had better get on with it. Strip down and start running. I'm going to preach a message today entitled Fan Support. Look at two people around you and say those words, Fan Support. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this building and everyone that is watching online today. And I pray, God, you would do something in our lives that would cause us not just to be challenged but literally changed by the power of the preach word of God. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word has a way of doing its business. So we want your word to walk among us today, talk among us today. Let your word do its work. And Father, we give you praise. Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We thank you that you died. You were buried. And on the third day, you got up. And you did that for everyone in this building and everyone that is watching. And for that, we are very grateful. Thank you for all the times you preserved us. You kept us. You not only saved us, you delivered us. And for that, we are grateful. And now, God, we praise you, not just for the things you have done, but we give you a pre-praise for everything you shall do in our lives. I need somebody to break out in a praise of excitement for your future. Would you give Jesus a praise for your future? Come on, he's kept you in your past, but he has things for your future. Lord, we break every generational curse in this building in the name of Jesus and we dismiss any generational spirit that is diametrically opposed to the progress of our purpose and destiny. Have your way in Jesus' name. One more time, before you sit down, give Jesus that praise that comes from within your heart. Come on, y'all, that's pretty good, but I need you to open your mouth and praise the King of Kings. Thank you, Jesus. Say it one more time: fan support. You may be seated. When we talk about fans, and um, yesterday, as a fan of the LSU Tigers, I got quite concerned with what I saw. But when we talk about fans in relation to Christianity, the spiritual side will automatically kick in, and we will start saying things like this: I'm not a fan, I'm a follower. And then immediately we'll follow that up with words like this. Jesus is not looking for spectators, right? He's looking for followers or participants. And those statements are good. They're theologically sound. They are spiritually true. That we should be followers of Christ. But the fact remains Every fan is not a follower. Come on in this building. Every fan is not a follower, but every follower is a fan. Our text refers to a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 1 A great cloud of witnesses. Now, these are not followers anymore. They've already followed, and they've already arrived, and that's why the first word in chapter 12 is therefore. Therefore is a word that connects you to the previous chapter, that is chapter 11, that we refer to as the hall of faith. These people have gone before us. These people have now made heaven their home. And one commentator's perspective of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, I totally concur with. He says this, there is considerable discussion among commentators as to whether or not those who have gone on to the next world can actually look back upon the saints in the present world. I have chosen to take this passage at face value and accept the fact that the saints in the next world do have some cognition of what is going on down here on earth, at least in regards to God's kingdom. Those who think otherwise see the cloud of witnesses as merely examples for us and do not feel that they actually have awareness of us or our struggles. It would seem that this view would do some damage to the picture the author is trying to present. Stay with me, y'all. Truly, if those heroes of old discussed in chapter 11 do have an awareness of us and our race in this life, it would put immense pressure on us to perform our purpose well. It would be much like performing on earth before a stadium field with famous athletes. We should note that that. That athletic imagery is often used in scripture as it speaks to our Christian lives. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, Galatians 2, 2 and so on. So this morning, as I preach this message, I believe this commentator's perspective solidifies that we have fans. And we have fans from a stadium called Eternity and they're cheering for us as we work out our purpose on earth to advance God's kingdom. That's what we know about them up there. But my question to you today is, what about your fan base down here? How is your fan base down here? So what is a fan? I wrote this this morning. There's nothing worse for a coach than to have a player on the team that's not a fan of the team. Come on in this building. There's nothing worse for a coach to have a player on the team but they are not a fan of the team. It would be like he wants the wages but he don't want the work. It'd be like having a church staff. They want to be paid, but they don't want to play. They want to be paid, but they don't want to be producers. If you're going to be a part, I wrote this today, if you're going to be a part of the team, be a fan of the team. Talk in this sanctified church, Pastor Rick. If you're going to be a part of the team, be a fan of the team. In other words, if you're going to be a member of the church, be a fan of the church. You can be a fan of a player and not a fan of the team. What we need is team fans. Talk now. What we need is team fans, not player fans. The word fan is the root word of the word fanatic. A person motivated by enthusiasm for a cause, a person, or a team. I'll read it again. Fanatic. A person motivated by enthusiasm for a cause, a person, or a team. Winston Churchill said it like this. A fan is one who can't change his mind, and he won't change the subject. A true fan is one who will not change his mind and he will not change the subject. Whoo, Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, there's an incredible story about King Saul. King Saul is 14 miles backslid. He's in the wrong place. The Bible says that the people in his army begin to scatter. As a matter of fact, the numbers diminished from 3,000 to 600. The Bible goes on to say in that chapter that the Israelites were hiding themselves in caves for fear of the Philistines. The Bible says when Saul was sleeping in the wrong city, that his son, Jonathan, was sitting on a cliff called Ziz. Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he says these words and I'll paraphrase. Enough is enough. Our leader might be in the wrong place but if you and I can come into agreement then we can clear out the Philistines and get the victory without an army. In essence, Jonathan was saying is all I need you for is to be for me. I don't need you to be an adversary. I don't need you to be speculating on my motive. I just need you to get with me and let's fight for the armies of God. Jonathan only needed one person, one fan who was for him. The armor bearer looks back at him and he says these words, I am with you, heart and soul. Do all that you have in your mind. All for more people that would have that kind of commitment to the cause of Christ's kingdom in the earth. That we would say do whatever you want to do because I'm not only in it with my body but I'm in it with my heart and I'm in it with my whole soul. You must understand that these two men cleared out an entire pasture of Philistines to the point that the Philistines began to flee thinking that an army was after them when it was only two men. When they began to pursue, everyone that was in hiding joined them in their pursuit. It's amazing to me that if we can just get a few people operating in the spirit of cooperation, then people who have given up the fight will come out of their fear, will come out of their phobias if just two of us will stand up and say, enemy, enough is enough. What are you saying here, Pastor Rick? COVID, we're not afraid of you. Enemy, we are not afraid of you. We are not afraid of you in any way, any form, any fashion if just somebody would stand up in this generation and be bold enough to say we gonna serve Jesus and you are not gonna mandate to us what we can do in the house of God. In the house of God, you can come here on your own free will. There's no sign that says you gotta be vaccinated before you come in here. You gotta have a mask on before you come in here. That's up to you. And we talk about freedom for just a minute? But some preacher somewhere has gotta stand up and say enough is enough. If you want your shot, get your shot. If you don't want your shot, don't get your shot. But don't put your conviction on somebody else. Everybody gotta do what their heart is telling them to do. But the one purpose we must all have is that we're gonna advance God's kingdom. Do I have any fans in the building of that kind of theology? I wrote a book called The Wall and I put in that book these words. You must surround yourself with godly loving people who will speak honestly and openly to you about your strengths not just your weaknesses. We love to wear people out about how weak they are. When's the last time you walked up to somebody and tell them, I just want to celebrate your strength. Yeah. I just want to celebrate the fact that every time I walk in the doors of this church, you got your hands up. I know you're going through stuff, but you keep your praise high and your problems low. So I want to celebrate your strength. Whew. Every person needs to have, this is in the book as well. By the way, you can, you can buy this book. and your purchase of this book will go toward feeding a hungry child. Right here on the front row. Every person needs to have one or more cheerleaders. Say that again. Every person needs to have at least one or more cheerleaders. Those who will root you on toward the fulfillment of your potential. These are not people who fawn over you and tell you lies about your personal grandeur. They must be people who objectively see your value and your God-given abilities. For that to be the case, they have to know you and they must have a good perspective of your potential. Seek out these kinds of friends. Seek out these kinds of fans Seek out these kinds of mentors and seek out these kinds of counselors. Everyone say fan support. support. So when I'm thinking about that, my mind immediately transitioned to the difference in a fan and fraud. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity, your friend should be your fan. Someone once said that friendship is a strong habitual inclination in two persons to promote the good and happiness of one another. That's friendship. So I say it like this according to Proverbs 17, 17 a friend loves at all times a brother is born for adversity. It's adversity that tells you who your friends are. And it's adversity that reveals to you who your brothers are. See a friend will feel for you but a brother will reach for you. Adversity declares to you I am your brother. A real friend becomes a brother during adversity. He transitions from the circumference of your life to the nucleus of your life. Most friends are like shadows. They stay real close to you until you walk through a dark season. then you can't find them. Brothers are born for adversity. When the adversary shows up, your brother reveals himself. Woo! See, brothers have a way of refreshing you. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 16, Paul says, the Lord give mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he oftentimes refreshed me, watch this, and was not ashamed of my chains. When you have real fans, and you have real friends, and you have real brothers, even when you are in the worst predicament you could possibly be in, they bring you refreshment. They don't let what you're going through change who they are. Hmm. The correct rendering in the Hebrew of Proverbs 17 17 is on this wise At all times a friend loves, but in adversity he becomes a brother. Oh, he was always there, That's but cool. your adversity made him a brother. But watch out for frauds. What is a fraud? Fraud is the intentional perversion of truth in order to induce another to to part with something or someone that's of value. Probably need me to read that for you again, right? A fraud is the intentional perversion of truth in order to induce another to part with something or someone that is of value to them. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: a froward man soweth strife and a whisperer separates good friends. A froward man literally means a man that is a fraud. One who perverts the real truth. A whisperer separates good friends. A whisperer is a talebearer. bearer. Yeah. Woo. When you see people over in the corner whispering to each other, guess what they're doing? They're whispering to each other. When you see them in the corner whispering to each other, looking at you out the corner of their eye, guess what they're doing? They're whispering to each other. That's right. Proverbs 17, 9 says, he that covers a transgression seeks love. He that covers a transgression seeks love. But he that repeats the matter separates very friends. I say it like this, faults are thick where love is thin. Faults are thick where love is thin. It would be like us being in a huddle and I'm giving you the play and you slip out the backside of the huddle and run over to the defense and say, hey, he said, we about to run blue 65-94. And they say, well, what does that mean? (laughs) It means the wide receiver on the right is going to run a flag pattern. The quarterback's going to look off to the left, but he's going to throw it to the flag. Guess where the defense is going to be? At the flag. And that's what people do that gossip. That's what people do that whisper about other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I think Satan was a whisperer in the garden. I think he came up to Eve and said, S. Come here, let me talk to you for a minute. Listen, y'all. When somebody pulls you off to whisper, just tell them amen. If you can't say it out loud, If you can't say it out loud where everybody can hear it, then don't say it. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. I couldn't help but think about beauty shops when I read that. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Girl, did you Did you hear? Now I ain't going to talk bad about nobody. When they say that right there, just say stop the sizzle. When they preface it with I'm not going to talk bad about nobody, that's when they're going to do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's change the tone. Verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up just like you've been doing. The Phillips translation says, so go on cheering and strengthening each other. I have no doubt you'll keep doing it. So go on what? Cheering and strengthening each other. What I almost did, and I didn't do it, now I'm thinking I should have done it, is got me some pom-poms. And I wouldn't bring women up here. I would get some of these brothers. And just get them cheering each other on and jumping around and hollering. What's a good cheer? Everybody knows. Two bits. bits. (laughs) Y'all supposed to say, come on, two bits." bits? And then what? And then say, all four, and then say a name. Call a name. Stand up and what? Not sneak off and whisper. What if we had a whole church full of pom-poms? I know I'm being frivolous. But what if we had a whole church full of cheerleaders? Yeah, every time you walked in the door, you knew somebody was going to approach you and pat you on the back and say, man, how's your week been? I just want to let you know I've been praying for you. I just want to let you know I've been seeing great things in your life. I just want to let you know your best is yet to come. Your best is not behind you, brother. Your best is still in front of you. Just want you to know I'm in your corner, man. I'm rooting you on. What if we had a church that would text each other and say, hey, man, I had you on my heart today. And I just want you to know you all that and a bag of chips with some good dip on the side. Woo! Somebody shout praise the Lord right there. Now I need you to look at three people around you and tell them I'm for you. I am not against you. My dad, I was telling the the master class this morning, the worst experience you could possibly have as a Hawkins child was to get my dad mad. Because my dad had a way of taking off his belt he didn't just ease it off. It had the sound of. It was, it was like a mini machine gun. And he has seven kids, and when you're everybody. <laughs> Did you do it? Somebody finna get that hide tore up. <laughs> but after he would get you. He would sit you down and I don't know how many times he did this to me. <laughs> Ever since I'm telling daddy's story. I walked in one time I was 15 years old. I know some of you Christians don't like me talking about my past. Don't tell the kids you used to smoke weed. That's not good for them to know. Oh, I was a weed smoker from way back. I'm going to tell y'all straight up. By the time I was 14, I'd smoke weed every day. Please don't tell our kids that. If your kids are smoking weed, whoop them. I come in and sat down. My dad was watching Walter Cronkite. And my brother Randy is looking at me like, Mm-mm he's telling me don't say nothing don't say nothing so I said daddy what you watching he looked at me and said boy have you been smoking weed (laughs) no sir (laughs) lie like a dog my dad's nose was like mine it kind of had that hook in it kind of long and when my dad wanted to find something out he found it out with his nose he just opened my mouth and stuck his nose all the way in my mouth And he said, you have been smoking weed. I said, well, Dad, just a little bit, man, just a little bit. The next thing I knew is I felt a real hard sting all around my ear and jaw. And I was picking myself up off the living room floor, crawling up. And he's looking at me like I'm about to get you again. I said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Then after he'd get a hold of you like that, he always did this. He'd set you down and he would say, "Now listen, son, I'm fur you ain't again you." <laughs> Some of y'all didn't understand that. That's very country, boy. My daddy was country. <laughs> he looked at you so sincere and he'd say, "Now, son, I'm fur you ain't again you." I am for you, not against you. I'm for you, I ain't against you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm for you, I ain't against you. I, gotta, I told you I'd only preach for two hours. I got to hurry. You know when fans really kick in, when they're most critical? When they are part of home field advantage. Yeah. The worst place to play a team is on their own field. Now, we've got an ex-OU player in here who I won't mention on the front row that was a quarterback named J.C. Watts, but I won't mention his name. And I, I can tell you, he will tell you that when he walked on that Sooner field, the noise of those fans take you to another level of confidence. I want you to say this with me. This is God's house. This is God's house. And, in here, and in here we
1: have, we have
0: home field, home field. Advantage. advantage. Let me tell you who didn't follow you in that door. The devil did not follow you in that door. He might be waiting for you in your car but he didn't come in here with you. You know why? He don't want to hear the noise of your fans. Talk back to me. I was reminded in the Bible of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse the whole chapter, verse 21 and 22 specifically. The people come to King Jehoshaphat and said, we're being attacked by the people of Mount Seir, Moab, and Ammon. I could go into definitions. I think I will. Mount Seir is the people that are goat-like. They're stubborn. Ammon is of the people. It's the people's desire. What the people want. Moab is a fatherless generation. And they are attacking us. Jehoshaphat was an honest man when he come to prayer. He looked at the Lord and he said, Lord, we don't know what to do. Oh, for more people that would pray with honesty. Quit acting like you know what to do and just tell God I'm in a mess. And I don't know what to do. The moment he expressed his vulnerability to God, Jehaziel the prophet walked in. When you give up on your logic, the power of the Holy Ghost kicks in prophetically. Talk back to me. And suddenly a fan walks in. Suddenly somebody that's for you walks in. And Jehaziel walked in and looked at his buddy Jehoshaphat and says, the Lord says, this is not your battle, but the battle belongs to him. And the Lord says, stand still and you shall see the salvation of your God. I need a cheerleader. I need a fan that will tell me everything gonna be all right. said this is God's fight and here's your instruction send your army out in the morning and have them sing what are we supposed to sing? sing this the mercy of the Lord endures forever Jehoshaphat goes before his army, his team and he says boys and girls we gonna win the victory tomorrow. And they said, how? And he said, we gonna sing. And they are like, wait a minute. We about to be killed. And you telling us to sing? What's the song? The mercy of the Lord endures. The next morning, the army gets up. Come on in this building. Lays down their weapons picks up their microphone, now they don't say that and they went out to face the enemy and they were singing the mercy of the Lord now I don't know how it went and you don't want me to try to tell you because I'll sound like alfalfa but they started singing and watch what happened the enemy turned on each other If you will sing praise today, the enemy of your tomorrow will destroy its own self. Y'all not hearing me. Don't wait till you get over there to your tomorrow. Start praising him. See, here's the deal, y'all. This is home field advantage home field advantage is right here. <laughs> Your fans' voices have the ability to shift the momentum of the game. The voices of the fans cause the communication of the enemy to be distorted. Y'all just missed that. The voices of the people, the congregation, your fans begins to distort the communication of the enemy. The enemy is trying to communicate about a curse on your life, about a spirit they're about to release on you. And they get the signals messed up because your praise is so loud that they cannot understand. That's like a football team on the 20-yard line on somebody else's home field and they're trying to make the call. And they can't do it because the fans are so loud. They keep getting penalized because they cannot hear when to snap the ball. They can't come Boy, I'm preaching better than you talking back to me. All you gotta do is make noise and it confuses. I'm gonna ask for five sanctified people to jump on your feet and make Confuse him. Here's what I learned about good fans. Good fans always believe the best for their team. Good fans always believe the best for their team. They have faith. Fans are resilient because they can steal hope. Hebrews 10.25 says, let's see how inventive, In the Message Bible, we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. Especially as we see the big day approaching. Look at somebody and tell them, I want to be your cheerleader. Man, it ain't hard to find your enemies in this day, brother. You know what I'm talking about, Michael? You can find... Just open your Facebook, you can find your enemy right now. <laughs> but fans, see, we hear the deal. Facebook, the question always is, well, how many followers does he have? Right, right, right. Well, how many followers? he? That ain't followers, that's trackers. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he got a huge following. He got 200,000 followers. They ain't following nothing. They're tracking your tail. <laughs> Waiting for you to say something wrong so they can unlike you, unfriend you, and ultimately block you. If you getting off on your likes and thinking you something because you got X amount of followers, you fooling yourself. you better find somebody that you know is for you in thick and thin. Come hell or high water, you can count on them. Let me tell you something. I'll close. Don't want to. won't preach all day, but I know we got to get a hold of that canes. But tell you two more things here. Whose jersey is this right? What team is this? That's the Saints. That's the New Orleans what? Saints. Let me tell you about the Saints. The Saints went through a long period of time where they were called the Aints. And people wore paper bags over their heads and wrote Aints on it. I remember them days. See, here's how you know somebody is a fan. They know your history and still love you. Like this. I loved them Saints when they was the Aints. I can tell you who the quarterback was, Archie Manning. And I can tell you who the wide receiver was, Danny Abramowitz. I can tell you the running back's name, Chuck Muncie. You know why? Because I'm a real fan. You know what the church is full of today? Bandwagon fans. When everything is good, they want to be there. But let a church go through a little trouble, a little turmoil. This ain't no bandwagon fan right here, baby. I'm a Saints fan today. If they lose today, I'm gonna be a Saints fan tomorrow. Come over here, Michael. Michael, pull pull this jersey off me. Just a black one. Now, you know what this is. This is a 2019 national champion LSU Tiger. I know about LSU. See, I love the Saints. I've always been a Saints fan. But Baton Rouge is where I was born and raised, baby. The Saints don't reside in Baton Rouge. The Tigers reside in Baton Rouge. I can tell you about Andy Hamilton, Burt Jones, Charlie Alexander, Coach Charlie McClendon. I didn't start yesterday. I can tell you about a safety named Tommy Casanova and a wide receiver called Al Coffey. I'm talking about players from the 70s. I didn't start being a fan when they won the national championship. And when they lost last week, I hated it. You know why? Because I'm a real fan. You ain't a real fan and your team get beat and you okay with it. No, when you're a real fan, you don't like losing. You want to win. And last night I watched them again and they look rough. I'm worried about them LSU Tigers. I'll be honest with you. And I love Coach O. Go Tigers. But Coach O, if you got to go, you got to go. Because we got to win. Y'all ain't hearing me. And I'm going to be a fan no matter where they finish up this season. right there? That's Place for Life in San Antonio, Texas. That's a church that I founded. Pastor there for 25 years. Let me tell you about the team there. Pastor Will Norris, Sister Sue Norris, Pastor Dustin Hawkins, and I could go on. Josh Moran. I could go on down the list. They still there. They ain't never got to wonder if they got a fan because they got one up here in Norman, Oklahoma. They're saying, go place for life. But see, place for life. I love them, but that's not my home field no more. My own field is right here, in this house. And when I'm with you, I know I can't lose. When I'm with you, I know we have to win. Baby, we are quest. Tell your neighbor I'm your biggest fan. I got your back. When you're going through the roughest time, I'm gonna pray for you. When you mourn, I'm gonna mourn. When you rejoice, I'm gonna rejoice. Is there anybody? in this building that can make some noise and let the enemy let the enemy know and let me tell you I ain't pulling no more off and let me tell you something I love sports, man. I love sports, even as a grown man. I played basketball four nights a week. I love it, but I ain't love nothing like I love football. Now I remember quarterbacking, not like JC Watts level, but quarterbacking. <laughs> and I remember losing and I came home. My dad was at the game and he says, son, you play your heart out. He said, everybody gonna lose. Everybody gonna lose. And it's not the score. It's not even, hear, hear me what I'm telling you. It's not even winning. It's belonging. Real real, when you boil it down, real fans, they really ain't worried about winning. They were they worried about belonging. You still on the team, son. But more than that, you steal still my boy. And in my opinion, you're the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Well, guess what? That's all I needed to hear. And I came by to tell you, your biggest fan is the father. If you don't believe me, ask the prodigal son who's out there in a pig's pen and daddy's on the porch waiting for him to get home. When he sees his boy, He said, let's throw a party. My son who was lost is now found. My son who was blind does now see. Kill the fatted calf, get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals for his feet. He was celebrating like a cheerleader the fact that his son came home. And real fans celebrate your return everybody jump on your feet and give your father a big praise he's your biggest fan god is your biggest fan god is your biggest fan god is your biggest cheerleader god is your biggest encourager god is your biggest Come on, throw your hands up and give him a praise like you love him.